so my name is Matt. Um, I didn't actually see who all put up their hands, but uh, I, I, I recognize many of the masks around here. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been coming here for, gee was seven, eight years? Eight years, maybe? Well, seven years. I think our son was born shortly after the first time he came here, something like that. So, like, that's a long time. Um, we got one Christmas card already. Uh, I think that was spontaneous. But coming here seven years, we, we probably could make the card list. Um, right? But again, I leave that with you. I don't take any of it back. Um, so, so Paul alluded to my transitions. And um, am, am I too loud? Am I blasting you guys? Okay, I haven't started yelling yet, but it's hot up here? Okay. Um, what was I saying? Transitions. Paul alluded to it, so I have to tell you guys. You know, otherwise it's just going to be odd. But um, as of a couple of weeks ago, uh, I actually resigned as, as being a paid pastor for something better. I know that's a shocker. Is there anything better than being a paid pastor? And there is. It's, it's being an unpaid pastor. That's even better. For me, all right, for me. So, so any pastors hearing this, for, for me it was better. And, and I felt God call me after, after I had a heart attack a year ago. And after that, I, I had to get really real. And life does that, and health does that. When your health isn't great, uh, you get to ask some really hard questions. And it's wonderful, and it's necessary. And so I asked some really hard questions, and I said, boy, if I'm feeling so mortal these days, what are some changes that I'm willing to make about my life? And, and one of them was accepting the call to minister in the workplace. And I loved my time as a pastor, but almost the whole time I desired to be back in the workforce because I wanted to be rubbing shoulders with people that weren't the same as me. I wanted to shed the, the title of pastor that sometimes closes the door with other people. I wanted to be sent out kind of like a 007 agent who is there to very secretly for the kingdom win people. And that got me really excited and I decided to own that uh, in, uh, in March of last year. Yeah, so it's been a long process and, uh, and I love where I'm at. I'm, I'm professionally a butcher now, so if you hear the word from, from butchers, it's not very often. But I think pastoring and butchering is fairly similar. <laughs> no, it is. It, you know what? If you've ever been in a hard conversation with Paul, you know, if, he, if he's ever invited you into his office and you guys have really gotten into it, there's, there's a connection there. And, and I've always loved the idea of pulling something beautiful out of something chaotic, right? And, and the thing that ends up on people's plate that they're so blessed by uh, takes a lot of work to get. And, and so uh, there's a huge connection there for me. And, it's, and I'm really pleased to do that. But don't let any of this be a stumbling block to you. Uh, I consider myself just as much of a pastor as I was the last time I was here 
a few months ago, something like that. And so, but that's a little bit about what's going on with me. And, and I'm really pleased to be here. I really love the worship here. And I solely want to talk about worship today. Because uh, in the meat shop, this message was laid on me very profoundly because I was listening to Christmas music. And, and Christmas music is not everybody's cup of tea. I work with one guy that actually is so opposed to it, he, he demands that it be turned off, if at all possible. And I think, I think how is that possible? It's so gloriously wonderful. It's, it's worship. Christmas music is worship at its core. And I found myself swept away amongst all the carcasses, glorious carcasses. I, I found myself swept away in worship at the words. I found myself looking at Jesus in a different light. And this is the opportunity I want to talk to us about today. Christmas is so glorious. It's so wonderful. It's so worthy of praise. And Jesus isn't a baby anymore, okay? So I don't want, I don't want to like confuse this with like, Jesus still has some baby qualities and we want to fixate on that. But, but the whole story is, is just so glorious to see the Lord that way. And so I want to go into the scriptures, but my only desire is that I would encourage us into a deeper sense and a heightened sensitivity in the glory of Christmas. We have a lot of things to be distracted by. We have a lot of things to be worried by. They might actually have gatherings this year under the right circumstances, and that's a thing all into itself. I actually missed gatherings last year. but um, So we find our attention and our gaze so pulled at Christmas time. Right? And let's, let's be honest. Kids on Christmas morning do not help. They become like ravenous wolves, devouring the caribou of gifts. See, it's all meat, right? It's, but it works. It still works. All right? It still works. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 2. The visit of the wise men. A very vague story in Scripture. Because we don't really know much about the wise men. We don't know how many there were. We know there were three gifts. We don't know there was three wise men. We don't know how far east they came from. Is it up there? Oh, beautiful, Paul, you're wonderful. We don't know any of that stuff. But we know that in this point in time, we don't know exactly what age Jesus was. We know he wasn't a newborn anymore. But we don't know the exact age. Herod decides that he should probably be safe and kill everyone under the age of two, which gives you some idea of what they thought. The interesting thing is we also, the wise men hardly knew what they were looking for. All of the information the wise men had, the magi had, was a star that got them to Jerusalem. They got the rest of the information. I'm kind of summing up before the verses, but... They got the information to come to Jerusalem, but nothing past that. It was actually Herod, the one who wanted to find this baby and take care of him permanently, that his 
uh, counselors gave more information as they quoted from Micah, chapter 4, chapter 5, somewhere around there, talking about this savior of the people coming from Bethlehem, this lowly city. And so that helped them along the way. And let's, let's read the passage taking over from uh, a little bit of, cha- of verse 9 in chapter 2. So they've met with the king. The king has given them more information of where to look. And the king is hoping that the wise men are going to tell him where the baby is so he can um, take care of anyone that might be a threat to his crown, even though Herod would probably long have been dead after this baby would have been old enough. But Herod was crazy. He, he, he wasn't a sane dude. Um, so chapter 2, verse 9 of Matthew, uh, about 9b. I'll read the. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense. Truth be told, the magi or wise men didn't know much about the true identity of who they were worshiping. They didn't have that information. They knew that a king had been born and they felt it worthy enough to go and find him. I did a little bit of math on how far they would have had to have gone, uh, except that when they say they came from the east, that's all they say. And so I tried to find a fairly uh, realistic comparison. Some thought from Arabia, and so I did a little bit of math on how far Arabia is from Jerusalem, and it's like 1,200K, something like that. And then uh, they even had charts on how fast you would go and how long it would take. So if you went 30 kilometers an hour, it would take you uh, 60 hours, sorry, 30 hours to get there by a very slow-moving car. But they were on camels, and camels can only gallop. Do camels gallop? What do they do? They just look weird. That's all, that's all they're capable of doing and holding lots of water in those gross humps they have. But um, camels can go about 12 kilometers an hour for an extended period of time. And so I thought, okay, we're going to cut the, the, the time up a little bit, and it's about 60-plus hours of a trip if they came from Arabia. Right, but we don't exactly know. We do know that they felt so strongly about this king that they found it worthwhile to make the trip. Their whole caravan, their slaves, their gifts, their camels, all that stuff. And so they knew that it was important enough that it was worthwhile, although they didn't hardly know. And I just want to pull a few points from this that can apply to us for Christmas. Um, The first is always the most important. God wants you to find his king child. 
God wants you to find him. Whether you know him really well today, whether you haven't seen him in a while, whether you know of him just theoretically, God wants you to find his son. That he's willing to orchestrate the stars and people and great distance for you to find him. Let's be honest. Every one of us who calls themselves a Christian, who's been saved by grace, we've already traveled a far greater distance than any magi. Because a fallen soul, a soul apart from Jesus, is as far apart from him as anything there is in the world. And we're all born that way. We all have this opposition to our creator until he comes and he makes a way and he sends the signs. What signs have we seen along the way? We can consider that this Christmas. How has Jesus brought us to a place by our recognizing, us really seeing him with our eyes? How has he brought us to a place that we can rejoice in all our hearts about the baby that was born. We can have such a significance that heaven forbid, it even overrides the joy of Christmas that everyone around us has. And Christmas is joyous. But the the real meaning, the glory behind it, the reason we celebrate is, is it's you don't pass go after this. It's the helpless baby in the manger. It's the persecuted toddler having to flee his home. It's this tremendous gift where God gave the very best essence of himself. The very thing he couldn't live without, he gave us. And that's Christmas. And he gave it to us so that the the eternity that kept us from him was no longer something that we had to say, I, I, can't, I can't get there to you. He wanted to draw people to see him. And he did all the heavy lifting. So we have something really to be thankful for today. God, in his glory, has loved us enough to show us his son. And given us the eyes to see him. There's a lot of people in the world that know who Jesus is, but they can't see him. There's a lot of people like that. That's what religion is. That's what I was before I got saved. I knew who Jesus was. I believed in him, but I didn't want to follow him. Then I wouldn't have to, you know, have all the other things that I didn't want to give up. So our regular eyes aren't enough. We need the star. We need the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that guides us all that journey and allows us to see him for real. That's what we need today. That's what we can all celebrate. We're all here. You're, you're, you're wearing a mask in church, which means you're true Christians. <laughs> you know, pastors can't say that, but I can say that. Um... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
God will allow us, and he's going to give us the legs to make up any distance. Because the thing he wants more than anything is for us to gaze at his son and see the real beauty, the hope, the potential. The thing I love about the Magi, they could have been astronomers for all we know. They could have been people that studied and potentially worshipped the stars. Their bowing down to him wasn't a sign of worship to God. And yet they had this like amazing seat at the greatest event ever. And, and that got me thinking about the tremendous opportunity that's here at Christmas. And it reminded me of the songs I was hearing in the meat shop. Non-Christians everywhere get to hear the greatest part, aside from Easter, of the gospel. They get to hear about a loving God who sent the son and thing he loved more than anyone else to the world to be fully human and fully God somehow to live, to die, to pay the sins of the whole world. And it was all on God's dime. And the world gets to hear that again and again and again. Even the greatest, um, I wouldn't say Christian band, but even the greatest Christmas band of all time, Boney M. All right? All right, so everyone knows Boney M, right? Okay? Okay, this isn't in the word, but one, it's not Christmas until you hear Boney M. Okay? It's not. But... That is like the greatest worship album of all time. And I don't even think they were Christians. They partied with ABBA in the 70s. I I think that disqualifies you if you party with ABBA. All right? That's a gong show. But you should hear the album is full of glory and truth. I think it's one of the first great worship albums that their christmas album put it on i know you all have it it's on tape so you got to find the tape player but spotify baby okay get my number from paul put it on and then i want you to text me if you don't think it's a worship album if your heart doesn't sing in worship at the goodness and glory of Christian message through unknowing messengers. Text me. I want to hear it. And then I want to meet with you and convince you that you're wrong. All right? And then the butchery is going to come out and the pulling and the tearing and the seeming. All right? The world is getting broadcasted the greatest truth that ever came. Our neighbors, our cousins, our aunts and uncles, our grandparents, our parents, our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, might have said neighbors already once, our enemies or people that we don't get along with are all hearing the glory of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And would God give them eyes to see 
past the imagery to the reality. This is the beauty of Christmas too. The whole nation gets to hear the reality of what it is, but they need God to give them the sight to see it. Because this here becomes very normal. Mangers and, yeah, there's a manger, there mangers and wise men and baby dolls. It becomes very normal. But there is sometimes. <laughs> Did you exclude the baby on purpose as the risen? See? Yeah. See? It's good that you guys are back because otherwise the baby would have been there and who knows. But um, <laughs> Christmas is so wonderful. It's so wonderful. I, I, I say it again. Would God give the people around us eyes to see the reality, the beauty, and they, would they be overcome with it? Will they be pierced and struck by who Jesus is? The gift is so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. You just need one touch from the Lord. Just, just one touch. And everything changes. And it's, it's being broadcast at Christmas. It's so wonderful. Just like when Jesus lived and died, the people who hated him and, unbe and in unbelief did all the work. They brought him to the cross. They killed him on the cross thinking, well, we got him now. And Jesus is saying, I really appreciate your help with all of that. This was my plan. And so all those stations, all those carols, they have wings and they have legs to soar into all of these people's lives. And it's just so wonderful. So God wants us to see his son, and he's gonna do the work. He's gonna do it by his spirit, and he wants to do it to the believers and unbelievers alike. He wants us to see something truly magical at Christmas time. And I wanna talk just a little bit about the gifts. Just real quick, I want to talk about the gifts. Now, there's a lot of imagery in the Bible, and we don't want to assume it's all uh, to our interpretation, but I've looked at a few sources of what some of these things could mean, the gifts that were brought, the three gifts. Again, doesn't mean there were three magi, but they ended up bringing three gifts. And there is some significance to this, to that day and time. And I want us to look at these as a response. So let's go, let's, let's, let's leave the plea for unbelievers to find the real Jesus. And I want to transition us into, okay, so, so Matt says that Jesus is glorious. And either that really resonates in my heart as like, yes, that is all I want to know this Christmas. Or it's something I'm going to mull over or if somebody else I trust says that to me, then I'll believe that it's true, and that's all fine. But I, but I want us to go to how we can respond and keep responding at Christmas. Okay, and so here's a little bit of imagery. The first gift is they bring gold. Not silver, not bronze, not copper. They bring gold. 
Okay, this, this is a present for a king. It's a present for a ruler. It's a present for royalty. They were communicating that the gift they bring was with an understanding that I'm giving this to royalty, somebody higher than myself. And I'm not chintzing on it either. I'm not, I'm not just getting the spare change out of the cloak. I'm intentionally giving him what he deserves. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the best things that we can do for Jesus, is give him our best. We do that in tithing, and that's a monetary thing, Right? But our best and tithing shouldn't stop there. Man, I'm going to get very convicted, right? Just, I'm very convicted as I say this, and that's okay. God needs our, our, man, God needs our 10% of everything. Now I've said it. Oh, man, my goodness. He needs our, he needs our best of everything. That's our time. That's our energy. That's our thoughts. It's our affections. It's not just our money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so God help us. God help us that we would be that we would be tithing what He deserves every step along the way. And it's just a, a few small intentional things. Reading the Christmas story at your gatherings. Singing a song. My Oma used to make us sing Silent Night. That sucker's got seven verses. All right? Like, that was like 20% tithe. But I don't think my heart was right when I sang it. But, like, it's little stuff like that that can help our next generation understand what we're doing. Because, as I said before, those gifts... They bring out like the wolfman in, in kids, right? And then they're like, okay, well, I'm ready for my next one. Well, you had 10. You don't need an 11th one. Uh, you only half opened the 10th one. Um, but, but being intentional with our gatherings, our time, our kids, it's giving him our best. And um, so that's gold. Frankincense. Now, I've never seen frankincense. I've never smelt frankincense. I hardly know what it looks like. I think it's like little chunks of stuff, but I, that could be myrrh, right? So obviously, I've never seen it because I'm saying chunks of stuff. It's like, good job. Yeah. Who said oil? Oil? Okay. So Carla knows it's oil, and, and that's great. He's all into essential oils. Okay. We're not going to air all the... D- <laughs> Who else knows something about somebody else that they want to share? Just shut it out. Um, <laughs> I've been here seven years, all right? So, so fr- <laughs> frankincense is, is, is a wor- it's about worship. It's about prayer. It's about connection, Intimacy. It's this fragrance of worship and adoration. And they brought that on those early days. I mean, who's watched The Star? Basically, everyone with, everyone's watched The Star with kids. 
right? Like, I can't watch the manger scene because I'll fall to pieces. It's so wonderfully glorious, this cartoon baby Jesus being born and everyone gathering there and the, were they dogs that were the evil dogs? Yeah, and they're all defeated and it's so glorious. The glory and, and just the wow factor of Jesus coming as a baby is self-explanatory and wonderful. And, and my prayer for us is that we would be constantly overcome with just the weight of the baby, the greatest gift, costing the Father everything. It's so amazingly wonderful. Okay, so, so <laughs> homework number two, go watch the star again, and if you don't weep, call me again, all right? Because you have put up walls in your heart that's not allowing you to feel real feelings. I'm just, I'm just kidding about that last part. That's, that's, I can't tell that. But it's, it's really wonderful. And, and then myrrh. I, I thought myrrh was the oil, but no, if Carlin says that, that it's not, then that's fine. But... <laughs> so myrrh is all about burial. It's, it's ointment for, for people's burial, death. Sometimes people would use it on their clothing. And it was already alluding to th- this death that Jesus would find himself. And this might be the most wonderful thing of all, is that the baby fully celebrated was always meant to be a baby that would die for humanity. And, and that's the real head cooker right there. Like, that's, that's crazy. It's, it's not only that God gave the very best of himself, but he gave the very best of himself to suffer and die. And that was always the plan. There wasn't an oops along the way. There wasn't a bump in the road. There wasn't a wrong turn here or there. That was always the plan. Jesus' plan was always to die. And, and myrrh. It's, it's just so, so amazing. It's so amazing. So, there's a few of these postures that we can remember and apply to ourselves, right? We can give of ourselves. We can give the very best of ourselves. We can tithe. We can be in prayer and worship for the goodness and gratitude and gratefulness of God for his son. And we can realize that, that Jesus was always meant to give himself. It's so beautiful. And I'm glad that I have this chance early on in the Christmas season to encourage us. Mm -hmm. This is the most glorious time ever. And I know everything out there doesn't make sense. I I, I know gatherings and restrictions and masks and vaccines and these are the most divisive things ever. But but we have the, the greater thing. We 
we have the better thing. Right, when, when my boss, or when one of my workers said, uh, I don't like that Christmas music, and they turned it off, I said to somebody, it's okay, I got Christmas in my heart, man, all right, I don't, I don't need the music, I, I got the goodness, now the music helps to stir the goodness up, but, but I got it, and we all have it, we have something that far outweighs anything else the, anything else the world has to offer. So, so let me close with a beautiful song. It's Mary's song of praise. This is like you, <laughs> you cannot fathom the words that she's saying. They're, they're the very words of God celebrating what he's doing because it's just impossible yeah. that she's saying. The, it's just impossible. This young teenage girl who's who's living this miracle that makes zero sense to her. And her whole world has been upside down and she looks like a hussy and like she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and Elizabeth's baby, John, goes crazy in the womb. Man, this is so, so glorious. So here's what, here's what Mary says. It's just, um, Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is the same girl who said, they prophesied over her, this baby is going to cut you in half. Your heart is going to be cut in half by this baby. It's so wonderful. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for all those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud of the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forevermore. Good job, Mary. That's amazing. So, before we sing, we're going to sing, right? Yeah, we're going to sing. So, before we do that, I want to pray for us. So, anyone who would like to be prayed for, if, if you could just stand. And I would, I would invite us to, to just have our hands in a, in a position of wanting to receive. And I want to pray that this Christmas, Jesus is going to give us even greater eyes to see him. And that our Christmas is going to be marked with worship and praise. So Father, I want to thank you for 
It's so glorious. I want to thank you for your son. We were so lost. We were so lost without you. Help us to remember how lost we were. How impossible the distance we had put ourselves from you was. And your generosity in your son. The most beautiful, perfect baby of all time. With a thousand pounds of horsepower behind him. With the ability to save an entire nation for generation after generation from their sins. It's so glorious. Would you give us eyes fresh to see? Amongst all the craziness, amongst all the scheduling and structures and people and excitement, would, would we not be dulled in the beauty and glory of, of this message? Give us eyes to see. Help us in our distractions that we would be full, be, be just so full of, of gratitude and worship. And God, give us boldness to speak and to share and to minister and to just showcase this goodness to the people around us. People need to see something different than what the world throws at them in what's so good about Christmas. Would we be generous in how we share that? Amen. You're welcome.